Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and world. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Mutuality Matters podcast from Christians for Biblical Equality. Alongside my friend and ministry colleague, Lila Van Gerpen, I'm Rob Dixon. Can women and men work alongside one another in healthy ministry partnerships? Our answer is no doubt. And on this podcast, we interview practitioners exploring stories about what flourishing mixed gender ministry partnerships look like in the field. This week, our guest is Wendy Wilson. Having served in various capacities in leadership training since 1984, Wendy's great joy is envisioning and equipping women to participate fully in living out their design in the image of God and in the grand calling of the Great Commission. After serving for 28 years with a pastoral training mission with a focus on engaging women and shepherding gifts, she has served since 2012 as the mission advisor for development of women to the Missio Nexus Network of Mission Agencies and as the founder and executive director of the Collaborative Women's Development Track. Wendy, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Well, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Rob knows I love talking about these things. <laughs> So great to have you here. Um, Well, I'll jump right in. We love to start with this question to just get to know you better. And it's a little fun one. What is a mixed gender partnership that you appreciate from literature, movies, shows, and why do you appreciate it? Well, that's actually a fun question because uh, I was thinking I might talk about that anyway. (laughs) I think of several movies that because I think my radar is so high on this, Mm -hmm. this issue that I just notice it. And there's been recent movies, not really new, but ones like The Imitation Game, um, Hidden Figures, uh um, On the Basis of Sex, ones like that, that really have showed some amazing uh, male-female partnerships. And I think especially The Basis of Sex, that was uh, just a few years ago. It's the story of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's early life as a woman entering the law profession when the presence of women was not encouraged, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And then the first 20 or so years of her life and how her, her vision, her passion, and her resilience as a law professional actually changed legal code in the United States to give women access to financial and property rights, professional educational choices, more quality in marriage and parenting even. Yeah. So it's so interesting how much has changed for women in our country post-World War II. But the thing I really loved about the movie was how it portrayed the partnership she had with her husband. Mm-hmm. He was a man ahead of his time, I think for sure. <clears throat> and he was a huge part of her success in pressing her into her abilities and her vision and fighting alongside her, really like Joseph did with Mary, taking on her calling from the Lord as the partner God God gave her to fulfill the challenges that would come with it. And the way they partnered, not just in marriage and parenting, but as law colleagues. Um, There would be things he brought to the fight that she couldn't bring, that she needed him to bring. Mm -hmm. And he saw that too. But he ultimately knew that it was um, the fight that God had brought her to and that she had visions and gifts and passion that only she could bring. And together they made history. But there was another significant partnership because it's not always about marriages. And that's what I appreciate here, too. And it's a story um, about a male friend and colleague that she's had since college or law school. Mm -hmm. I can't remember that always um, treated her as a peer and respected her tenacity and her gifts. And 
he was working for an influential nonprofit at the time <clears throat> um, that she engaged her challenge to the legal system around the encoded lack of rights for women. And she presents this challenge to him and eventually he gets on board with her as well. And again, brings things to the battle mm -hmm. that only he could bring that she needed him to bring. Yeah. Whereas again, he ultimately knew that this was her fight um, and that she had vision and gifts that only she could bring. So that relationship was highly collegial, mutually respectful, full of trust and interdependence. And it, it was in no way treated as a threat to her marriage, but yeah. rather as a needed co-warrior situation in a battle they'd been drawn into through Ruth Ginsburg's leadership. Yeah. So it's just one of the best stories ever in my mind of what that alliance can mm -hmm. actually look like. And personally, I just think we need more pictures, more yeah. illustrations to see what it looks like. It's one thing to talk about it, yeah. but it's really inspiring when we see it. And I think the same is true in Hidden Figures um, and the imitation game, um, the World War II computer coding thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you, when you see what it looks like, you kind of push past culture and, um, and you see what it looks like in real life, drawing attention to um, those things with admiration and hope. Yeah. So I'm often telling people to watch those movies. <laughs> those are great. Specifically yeah. for that purpose. Yeah. Sounds good. So listeners, there's your summer movie right. Uh, <laughs> list right there from Wendy. It's great. Uh, Wendy, we will start by having you tell us a story. Um, you know, you've had in your journeys in ministry, you've had lots of times where you've worked alongside men in, in ministry. Um, can you think of one or maybe two that have been especially life-giving and why? Mm -hmm. Why have they been so life-giving for you? Well, as I think about that, uh, there have been a number. Um, probably as a boomer, there may have been less throughout my whole career than there are maybe now. Um, but, I, but I think about a couple early on in my ministry. I was in field ministry with the pastoral training ministry um, in a culturally very conservative part of the world in the 18, the 1980s and the 90s, those two decades where we recognized that women were being sidelined, not only from pastoral training, but from any kind of training, including just basic discipleship. And so we were presented with this challenge of finding a way to build up women who are a huge part of the church. And uh, even though it was highly discouraged to invest in women, who were not to be trusted with God's word, much less to teach it to others. There were a couple pastors early on in that culture mm -hmm. who somehow knew that couldn't be right. Wow. And they helped us organize small training groups, uh, initially in the underground church, for their wives and other women in their, in their churches to have us disciple them as women so they could disciple other women. That was the vision, but still it was huge. Yeah. you know, as well as their own children. So um, it was a beginning. Mm -hmm. And those men even sat in the training groups to encourage the women to be here there because they weren't sure they should mm -hmm. even be there. And to sit under me, they sat under me as a woman <clears throat> to learn. Wow. Uh, so they provided impetus in ways that only they could. I never could have made that happen without them. They let me do what they couldn't do. And together, I think it launched a movement that began to see women as multiplying disciples and later as shepherds in their churches. Wow. And I think they found that their marriages benefited as well <laughs> when their women were envisioned for their own ministries and saw themselves as partners. So those men, those early couple pastors were incredible partners to me. And to this day, I really admire them. That's huge. And it kind mm -hmm. of helps me better understand why those movies stick out to you so much. You talked about those advocates being ahead of their time and just seeing how you've experienced that in your own life. 
people who have mm-hmm. kind of believed um, before our culture said, you know, it was okay. So that was really beautiful. As you think about your partnerships that you've been in, what are some of the challenges you've had to work through as you've partnered with men in your ministry world? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Cause I think those challenges still exist. I think they mm-hmm. are definitely less than, you know, I'll be 40 years in ministry next year. And so that has really changed just in my ministry lifetime. Yeah. And I've worked in a variety of ministries and I feel like I've been recognized in my own gifting by brothers who were able to embrace what I had to offer. And there were always men, no matter when, who were thrilled that I was there. But then there were others, probably more, that were not thrilled that I was there. So especially in mission settings, when you have staff coming from a variety of backgrounds, uh, there are always a few that know how to partner easily with women Mm -hmm. just for whatever reason. But there are usually more that struggle with it for a variety of reasons. Uh, So the challenge is how to interact freely with those who partner well and trust that God is doing something in the modeling of that, but also how to interact with those who don't think you should be there or have somehow learned uh, to see you as a threat of some kind. And I think we all sense the difference quickly when you engage with someone, knowing who those allies are Mm -hmm. that see you fully as a contributing sister and those who somehow believe that you're a threat to them sexually by your very presence or a threat in the way you think since somehow women shouldn't be trusted with weighty important thoughtful or strategic Mm -hmm. things and so I think that's the biggest challenge addressing the way evangelical culture has largely taught men and women not to trust each other and I think it causes men to be suspicious of the way women think and contribute and it causes women to doubt themselves So it's so destructive to the amazing alliance, I think, of male and female. Um, But Jen Wilkin wrote an article on the Gospel Coalition some years ago uh, called Three Female Ghosts That Haunt the Church. Maybe you read it, but she so insightfully unpacks three primary metaphors that describe the way men too often see women and women too often see themselves. The first one is the usurper that authority belongs to men and women want to take it. Mm -hmm. Second is the seductress, that the presence of women lures men into sexual compromise uh, that they're unable to resist. And the third is the child, that women are inferior in intellect and need to be treated as such. And I'd encourage you to find and read that, Mm -hmm. uh, the way she illustrates how that looks. And I use it for a discussion in the training Mm -hmm. I do to prepare for leadership because it's so pervasive even if it's subliminal in the culture and we have to learn to recognize it and speak fruitfully to it and interact without absorbing it yeah Um, and i think a lot of times when people recognize it and see it it's not what they want they just don't realize they've been functioning that way right so i think more has been written on the barriers to godly effective male female partnerships including more vision for what a brother sister relationship in the new community is meant to be you know, rather than overemphasizing the place of sex in any relationship, a vision for the freedom there is to relate and, you know, work shoulder to shoulder as brothers and sisters in Christ is mm-hmm. really astounding. So while we're sexual beings by virtue of God's design as male and female, we're all 
to bring whatever we do because of that design and our perspectives and our sensitivities and our gifts and experiences. But sex itself has a very small place in only one relationship. We need to stop acting like we have to define ourselves that way in every mm -hmm. relationship. So we, I think we need to teach and talk and live out more what brothers and sisters are meant to enjoy from each other and bring to each other. So I think those are probably the, the big rock challenges, yeah. I think, that have been present my whole ministry career are still present, but less. And we're talking about them better, I think. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for that sort of download right there, Wendy. And I think for me, it's helpful to hear, you're giving us the uh, perspective of someone who's done this for a while, and you can say that there has been some degree of positive change over time, not as much as we would want, certainly, but I appreciate that you're able to give give us context for that. Talk about some of the benefits, the other side of the coin. Um, okay. As you've worked with men in the context of ministry, how have you seen God use those partnerships to advance, you know, the mission um, or whatever mission it is that you're a part of? So what are the benefits? Well, I think, you know, they're innumerable. <laughs> benefits, number one, is just that we are better modeling the image of God and the design of God uh, just in the world, right? But I think, especially when men feel free to listen and learn and ponder, even admire, even follow women as co-warriors in the battle against evil and for the gospel and for God's purposes in the world, in whatever way God is positioning those women and in whatever way he has gifted them, the outcomes just in general are so much more powerful. And, you know, as we have talked over the years that, that the research is consistently showing that when men and women work respectfully and expectantly, I would say, together as partners and as allies, just all sorts of practical outcomes are clearly impacted for the better. More creative thinking, and I've seen that, more creative thinking increases for both genders resources of all kinds improve, better policies result, the list goes on. Yeah. And But it shouldn't surprise us that male-female partnerships produce just better outcomes in accomplishing mission across the board. Mm -hmm. In fact, it should inspire us, I think. And so it can motivate us to be thoughtful about the kind of culture we want in our churches and organizations as this new gospel community of spirit-filled people. Yeah. CBE International presents Women in Scripture and Mission. Priscilla worked in mutuality with her husband Aquila as scholars, missionaries, and church planters. They were close friends of Paul. After religious persecution forced them from Rome, they established a house church in Ephesus. While there, they noticed that Apollo, a renowned religious speaker, did not understand the gospel. So together they brought him into their home and instructed him. Interestingly, Scripture often lists Priscilla's name before Aquila's. Learn more at RadioWomen.org. Um, as you think about the mixed gender partnerships that you've been a part of, what would you say are the success factors? So in your experience, what's make that what what makes them work well? What needs to be present in order for people to thrive? Yep, give us the list, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I think I'll just back up a bit in response to that question because I I think we still have groundwork to lay. Mm -hmm before we can get there. Uh, that's what I'm still realizing that I think the outcomes are more obvious um, because like other ways we observe the reality of what God has designed in nature. We somehow we know it's true that men and women need each other to fulfill our calling um, to discipleship and transformation. And we recognize it's beautiful when we see it like in those movies, but 
whether it's in marriage or ministry or community life. But I think we have to find more ways to have conversations that can allow us to identify our tensions between our theological thinking and our actual practice. Um, You know, in missions, for example, things like a woman can preach overseas, but not in a U.S. church. Or a married woman can preach or lead alongside her husband or with permission of the elders, but not in general. Or a woman can teach in this setting or not that. You know, why? So I know it was the tensions I experienced as as a woman who is wired to initiate and lead and execute, but somehow early I was taught that I shouldn't, and certainly not in my marriage, and just the incredible tension and even stress that can unnecessarily cause for people who are wired to contribute in ways that somehow they think they shouldn't, men and women both. So I think we need to ask questions about those things and provide places that are well facilitated for safety and respect to really explore those things together. Because I've seen those kind of settings provide powerful discovery and launch a process of change personally and organizationally. But I think we need more spaces to talk respectfully and with permission to explore and discover and not necessarily nail it all down in the moment. And I think more people perhaps would be willing um, to do that. If, if it was if it was offered and and I found that before we can really talk about um, the deeper dive into our theological positions we have to talk about the practical reasons that it makes sense mm-hmm. to better engage women that's what I'm finding that we have to paint that stunning picture of women and men as real allies in life because I think when people see why it matters they're more willing to engage a conversation around why it may not be happening yeah. Um, at least that's what I've found. And I find myself always thinking about how to communicate the beautiful and powerful vision for what Carolyn James calls the blessed alliance, right? Mm -hmm. Before I get into any discussion about what women and men can or can't do or should or shouldn't do. So I think we need to continually speak to and teach to that irresistible vision first Mm -hmm. and let it open the doors for exploring how we get there. Mm -hmm. um, I love your um i love that you called it an irresistible irresistible vision i love that because i think about what stories emerge in the news or what stories we talk about it's like all fear based it's all kind of the things you talked about earlier it's like oh what could go wrong versus offering this beautiful vision of what healthy partnership looks like and why it's irresistible i love that yeah wendy can i can i um maybe push you just a bit on the irresistible vision because I'm, I'm wooed by that too. Can you give an example maybe of what that looks like in practice where you've, you've cast the vision and then the group has gone into the more deeper dive like you talk about. So like, what is that mechanically? What does that look like to cast that vision? You know what I'm saying? Well, first of all, I'd have them watch on the basis of sex movies <laughs> and then talk about what do you see happening there? Yeah. Why why does that not happen and how does it happen and what are you learning from what you're actually watching right there both in marriage and outside of marriage and other ministry partnerships. So I think that really does that exemplifies the vision, right? Yeah. And then you know even in talking about what does it feel like for a woman to sit next to a colleague, male colleague and, you know, for him to look her in the eyes, for them to puzzle together, to be heard as peers, to be respectful of each other's thinking and to feel like it's cathartic. And I think we all just 
kind of know how that feels. And, and then the opposite way, when you sit down to some, with someone who's not sure they should be listening to you or, you know, is kind of not really engaging, we know how that feels too. So I think kind of appealing to, um, you, you know, a healthy relationship when you experience it. And what are the things you recognize, you know, when you, when you sit down next to somebody or you're in a group with someone or you're on a team with someone and how do you um, be that yourself? If you don't feel like it's happening, what are the ways potentially you call that out, um, you know, in fruitful and helpful ways, um, whatever that's going to mean. But that's what I kind of mean about painting yeah. that picture and, 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 and appealing to what we intuitively know about what we're designed for. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it, I'll be thinking about that for a while after this, the, the idea that we have in our DNA source code, mm -hmm. this like we're built to partner. And mm -hmm. so tapping into that is what I hear you saying, like figuring out a way to access that part of who we are meant to be in the creation story, right? It's beautiful. It's like a great, so they, what's the mechanics to get us to that place? But I, I appreciate the, yeah, it's really helpful. Let me, let me ask you this next question, Wendy. So you have a unique vantage point in the evangelical world. So you uh, have a role with Missio Nexus, which is this umbrella organization um, of a group of missions agencies underneath the umbrella. You work with the women's development track, and so I think you, you get a sense to see what God's doing from a, a wide range of missions, agencies, and organizations. So I'm curious, or we're curious about what, what do you see God doing that gives you hope and then that concerns you from, from your vantage point? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> well, I think we're clearly seeing, I've been doing the Mission Nexus thing now for 12 years, and so much has happened, I would say, even in that you know, in terms of where I'm at in ministry, that's, that's a short window. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know brothers that may feel like a long time, but so we're seeing a lot more agencies that are recognizing that they've been missing important perspective when women have not been visioning and strategizing and resourcing alongside their brothers uh, in leadership at every level. Um, you know, some men recognize that sooner started things. It helped others see it. You know, that's sort of how momentum happens. I think more are seeing that, um, that men aren't designed to see everything alone. They see what they see and that's necessary. Mm -hmm. But I think more are realizing that the culture maybe has been more at play than scripture and a commitment to male-led, male-only led culture, um, as it's sort of been embedded in our evangelical culture, mostly since the 1980s. But so much more good scholarship, you know, in biblical languages and culture has come out in the last 20 years, as we know, to really clarify our understanding of the male female full biblical partnership and i thought even 10 years ago i had trouble finding good things to just really direct people toward mm -hmm. in these discussions for the kind of discovering they were des desiring or needing but now there's so much more good stuff coming out uh gosh especially the last five or ten years that that i can't even keep it up with it all the reading <laughs> honestly i mean people are always sending me new titles and resources but it's so helpful to me but I spoke recently to a group of mission CEOs, and I would say that over half the room was very appreciative and thoughtful and interactive about what I shared, which I would say is a real change in the last mm -hmm. decade to have half the room respond mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. Um, so it's really fun to interact with these brothers as unafraid peers mm -hmm. and partners. And so I think there is a shift, and I think it's gaining momentum because 
more, like I said, there's just more resources now. There's more discussion about it. There's more places we're seeing it. Mm. And so being drawn yeah. to it. It's great. It is. We'd love to end with an opportunity for you to just share a little bit about your dreams. So what do you want to see God do regarding women and men in ministry partnership in Nexio or in Missio Nexus and beyond? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'm finding currently, um, again, that finding more ways to present the vision of men and women in partnership in ministry and marriage in every realm of life. Um, I'm also finding ways to bring people into experiences where they can in person explore their theology. Um, and I think that's that's been a shift that more are willing to talk about theology mm-hmm. without being scared by it or like yeah. a debate or a problem that it can actually be a conversation and we can do that well. So I'd like to see more men and women both be able to more fully articulate um, and have important conversation about the breadth of issues in the discussion of theology of women and men, and that more believers would really take a deeper dive on this topic because the implications are so great. And with so much that's coming out, there's just a lot more to consider and um, that more of us would be convicted by what we discover rather than perhaps what what I see that we, and I've been there myself, where you're just sort of coasting on what you've always heard Mm -hmm. without really doing the work yourself. And so as we do that uh, in in more places in our churches and mission, mission organizations kind of start opening up, right, to whomever God has gifted and called to bless in whatever way he has called them to bless. So we're becoming less formed by our particular North American culture and maybe more formed by this incredible gift of the new community that God launched as a church. And so you know, if all are fully engaged in bringing everything they are, and there's more opportunity for that. There's more vision for that. There's more appreciation of that. And that women and men in both churches and mission agencies are, are working together more fully as the allies that God intended them to be. And I think maybe that's where missions can lead the way because more missions are engaging that more easily, maybe than churches, maybe because they think some of them see themselves as a church. Some of them see them not as the church, but the ones that thinks they're not the church feel like they have more freedom to not go by some of the parameters they would put on a church. And so they move into these partnerships more fluidly, but then they're impacted by the churches that support them, that send them missionaries. And so it may be that what's happening in mission agencies can start to bless their supporting churches or the churches from which they gain their staff. So I guess that would be my hope as I look at moving over in the next few years into whatever's coming next, that the that the theological discussion would continue to really pick up steam to be a blessing to our practice. Oh, may it be so. Wow. And, you know, I, I, listeners, as someone, I've I've partnered with Wendy in a, in a variety of venues over the last number of years with Missio Nexus, and I can just testify that Wendy creates the spaces she's just described. So the safe, experiential space to explore the scriptures and practice. I think mm. you're great at that. In fact, why don't you tell us just a bit about what's coming next with Missio Nexus in this area? So some things that are on your calendar and on the horizon. Okay. Well, two of the workshops that we do that we have fe- that really came out of the questions we were getting in a sense of needing to provide a place for these conversations um, uh, that were coming up this fall. And we've done these a number of times. And one is the one that Rob and I do together. <clears throat> called, uh, calling it Pursuing Partnership Culture, the Considerations as Men and Women Lead Together. And it's, it's, it's based on the practical 
barriers that, that prevent us from getting women in the pipeline when we want them in the pipeline. It talks about some of the work at, uh, that um, Rob's done on aspects of healthy organizational culture where women and men flourish in, in, in working together. So it's really more on the practical side that is so helpful. We found that people really appreciate talking about what are the issues that are keeping us from being that, what are some shifts we can make in order to, to become that that we want to come. And it's a process. So that's coming up November 8th and 9th here um, in North Idaho uh, called Pursuing Partnership Culture. And uh, then the second one coming right after that, you can come for one or stay for both, <laughs> is the one we do um, November 10 through 12 on the spectrum of evangelical thought on women so that we really unpack what, what all the different views are. And there's more than most people realize mm -hmm. <laughs> within the evangelical inerrancy camp. Um, and we unpack the interpretive challenges that cause people to look at the same passage and come to different conclusions and why. And I think what help happens is it allows people then to become more convicted about what, what they believe personally when there maybe has been confusion, but it also call, calls for more, causes us to give more grace to others because we realize they are just as committed to scripture as we are and to living out being the people of God. So it, it creates a... I think a, a place of allowing people to have conversations and live out their practice and and, and appreciate how others are doing it and yeah. let things move forward. So those two workshops are coming up this fall. You can find them on the Missio Nexus website, missionexus.org, or on the Women's Development Track um, website, women's development track, T-R-A-C-K.com. We'll put all that in the show notes uh, so folks can get that if they'd like to. Wendy, thanks so much for doing this. It's been great oh, to have pleasure. you. Pleasure. <laughs> Appreciate both of you and your commitment to these conversations. So yeah. good to have you here. Thanks. Well, Lai, it was great to have Wendy on the podcast. Uh, she's a gem. Uh, what did you hear? What's sticking with you? Uh, what are some things you're thinking about coming off of that interview? Yeah, it was so good to hear her just share some examples, both of her own life and even in some of the movies she referenced of just the um, the importance of mutual trust and mutual respect in partnership. And just thinking about like, if we don't have mutual trust, if we don't have mutual respect, then we're often gonna lead out of fear. We're gonna think, how can this yeah. partnership hurt me or my relationships or my marriage or whatever it might be? And just how important it is to trust, you know, as a person, trust the gifts that God has given you, as well as trust the, vision for partnership at the table to trust what other people bring to the table and just really um just reminding me of just how important trust is we can't have those hard conversations or acknowledge the tensions if we don't have trust yeah that's good yeah i appreciate that i i think for me the um you know, one of the things i think i mentioned this in the podcast in the in the interview but I just was thinking about this idea that this uh, vision for partnership is embedded within us yeah. by virtue of, you know, our creator and who created us and how we were created and all of that in Genesis. And, um, and kind of this idea that you're not, as a facilitator, and Wendy does this really well, you're not, you're not depositing vision into yeah. someone. You're actually awakening vision mm -hmm. from within someone, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's a different approach to the process that I, I'll be thinking about the next time yeah. I go and send or speak or whatever, or working with students or something like how, how can I awaken within a person like that vision for yeah. women in partnership versus trying to convince them of yeah. something from what's external, right? So yeah, it seems like a different posture almost to that yeah. process. Yeah. 
Good. Well, we're grateful for Wendy Wilson. Thanks to listeners for joining us today. And if you enjoy this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can follow Christians for Biblical Equality on Facebook and Twitter. For up-to-date info and content, you can leave us a rating or review us on whatever podcast platform you use. And if you loved this episode, and how couldn't you, please share it with a friend. I'm Rob Dixon, and with my co-host, Lila Van Gerpen, we'd like to thank our guest, again, Wendy Wilson, and our talented editor, Landon Hook, as well as the whole team at Christians for Biblical Equality. Be sure to listen to other episodes with our team of co-hosts coming to your devices every week. We are the Mutuality Matters Podcast, and thanks for listening. The opinions expressed in CBE's Mutuality Matters podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not purport to reflect the opinions or views of CBE International or its members or chapters worldwide. The designations employed in this podcast and the presentation of content therein do not imply the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of CBE concerning the legal status of any country, area, or territory, or of its authorities, or concerning the delimitation of its frontiers. 